week two of the story. I uh, hope you were able to read ahead. I'll, I'll try to tell you every week, and we'll also put it in the bulletin next week. But uh, this week, we are covering a lot of territory, Genesis 11 to 35. And uh, next week, we'll be in Genesis 36 to 50, the story of Joseph. Uh, so you can read ahead with that. <clears throat> but in this passage, there are a lot of folks I could talk about. I, I'm going to zero in today on Abra, Abraham or Abram as he was known at the beginning, and Sarai, or Sarah, as she's known. Sarah was her name to start with. Both of them have name changes uh, throughout this passage. Now, <clears throat> Abraham is, a, is somebody perhaps uh, we know uh, something about. Abraham was a, a, a guy that was really impressive for a lot of reasons, uh, and his wife Sarah, but particularly what jumps out at me uh, from reading about them is their faith. It's the amount of belief that they had in God. That it, it's amazing to me, and it begins from the very introduction we have to them in Genesis chapter 11, and then verse a ver- few verses of uh, verse 12 or chapter 12. <clears throat> Yesterday I, I went with Brady down to, to Bolivar. He was playing soccer down there in the tournament, and uh, 100 miles down there, 100 miles back. It was nothing. We went, left about 12.45 and got back about, uh, after stopping to eat, about 7, 7.15. And uh, <clears throat> I, I was thinking about that as I was researching this week. Uh, what we're going to see here is Abraham and Sarah are called to leave by God from a place up in what is now southern Iraq and to go down to what is now the Holy Land, uh, the nation of Israel. They're called to leave. And... Back then, they didn't have highways. They didn't have uh, the things that we have now that make modern travel so convenient. They didn't have nice paved roads and convenience stores and restaurants all along the way. Uh, I read about the early pioneers that settled this country. As they set out with their families, with their possessions and wagons, they were not going on established paved roads. If they were lucky, there was a road or a place where they could pass through, but oftentimes it was just rugged trailblazing, if you will. On a good day, the scholars that I read estimate that they could make 10 miles a day. If it was rainy and muddy, maybe a mile. So this little trip we took yesterday to Bolivar and back uh, took us uh, driving time about three hours. It would take 20 days, good days travel. Can you imagine? And so if God called you in those times and said, I want you to take all your family and I want you to pick up everything and move, what would you say? (laughs) Are you sure? I think I got a bad connection. But that's exactly what he says because God chooses Abraham and Sarah to build a nation. He chose them. And I think he chooses each one of us. In Jeremiah, it says that God creates each one of us with a plan and a purpose. He has a chosen direction for us to go in life, but for us to accomplish, for us to fall in line with that direction, for us to fall in line with the plan and purpose he has for our life, then we have to allow him to grow faith in us. You see, what distinguishes the people of God from the people of the world is their faith. 
Abraham and Sarah show us great faith. He chose them. We read about in Genesis 12, 1 through 4. It reads like this. The Lord has said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Right here at the beginning of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, we see a promise. We see a fourfold promise that would have lasting ramifications, not only throughout the rest of the Old Testament, but the rest of the New Testament, and right up until today. The first promise we see here is that God would make a great nation out of Abraham and Sarah. He would make a great nation. What is their legacy? It is the nation of Israel. Now, the nation of Israel became the preeminent nation in the times of King David, and his son Solomon, it became mighty and controlled the land. Then it went in because of their rebellion. Uh, it wasn't there for years and years, but now today we have an established nation of Israel. So that promise lasted all the way up through today. It started with Abraham and Sarah. Second promise is that God would make Abram a great man. And the fact that we're talking about him today means that his fame lives on. But what is it that made Abram great? I think we will see. It's not any physical attribute he had or any kind of wealth, material, or power. His chief attribute that we talk about today is faith. The third part of the promise is that God would protect them. He'd protect them. He would bless those who blessed him and curse those who cursed him. In other words, they had his covering, his protection. I believe if we get into the, in the sweet spot of God's will, which means saying every day, and not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Not doing what I want to do, but allowing His Spirit to lead you or to me. That, that's being in the sweet spot of His will. And if we are there, then God, I think, promises that protection. God says, I will never bring upon you more than you can bear. Sometimes you might say, well, are you sure? But I tell you, he promised them, he would protect them. I think he promises us through his word, he'll protect us as well. And then the fourth part of the promise is God would bless all nations, or all people through his nation. Through this nation that Abraham and Sarah started with God's direction, he would bring, he would bring a great blessing. And if you look in the New Testament at its beginning, as it talks about the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the incarnated Son of God, you find in his genealogy, Abraham and Sarah. So you see these promises all came to bear. You can know that if God makes a promise, if God tells you things in his word, he gives you promises, you can trust him. Sometimes we get shaky in that. But just as he fulfilled that through Abraham, he will and can fulfill that through us. And he says to Abraham a little later, as many as the stars are in the sky, as many grains of sand as there are on the seashore, I will bring about your descendants. He makes those promises 
and so we see them today. How many Christians are there in the world? Conservative estimates, a billion, billion point five. It's true, this promise happened. And it begins with one man and one woman's faith. I can't tell you uh, that all the things that will happen if you grow in faith with God, if you grow in your faith in Jesus Christ, but I can assure you of this, that your future is going to look a lot different, a lot better, that your legacy will be far more reaching and lasting. We see that happen here. We can see it happen in us. So he chooses Abram and Sarai to build this great nation. And he calls them from a, a place in southern Iraq all the way down to Israel, what is modern-day Israel. Now, as the crow flies, that's about 500 miles. Abraham, Sarah, he's 75 when he's called. <laughs> Think about that. You're, you gotta, you know, you're, you're settled and things are going good. You got a, a nice piece of property and, a, and all kinds of you know, livestock and all that. And, and God says, I want you to move. Oh, yeah. Huh? Are you sure? About four or 500 miles is the crow flies. 800 miles is the, the road, the primitive road that they had followed the Euphrates River north and west, and then it turned to the south. About 800 miles they had to move. And they choose to say yes, showing their faith. In God's upper story, he, he has a plan to bring people back in the relationship with him. He hints at it in that fourth part of the promise that he'll bless all nations through you. And we see it begin to happen here as God builds this kingdom Israel in the Old Testament. We will see that the Bible talks about the New Testament as the new Israel is the church. We see that it is the currency of faith that helps us. And in the lower story of Abraham and Sarah, we can learn some lessons. God teaches us through Abraham and Sarah several things. The first is this, that faith is moving forward without a map. Faith is moving forward without a map. How many of us uh, are directionally challenged? On the other hand, how many of us like maps and like to look and see where we're going? Now, this car we have now has GPS built in. Those things are kind of fascinating, but they're also dangerous. You can get in the point of where you're looking at all the, the bells and whistles and seeing, you know, I like seeing how it looks 0.5 miles, you know, on the map and then 0.05 and then 5 miles. I like seeing what's all around me. Maybe you like that. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. But I, I like to see where I'm going. Life doesn't happen that way. Faith is an adventure. In the New Testament, it says we are called to walk not by sight, but by faith. And that's a great challenge. But we see in Abraham's life that it can be done. God says, I want you to pick up your family and move 800 miles away, or 800 miles journey, 500 miles away. And Abraham says, okay. In faith, we will take that step. Maybe today you're in financial difficulty. Maybe your job is tenuous or maybe you're looking for a job. 
maybe today you've got medical problems and you either have a diagnosis that's troubling or you, worse, you have no diagnosis. Maybe you're in a relationship that's struggling, even in the Alps. You don't know what's going to happen. But I tell you this, I can assure you of this. If you will seek God's will and let God's Spirit lead you through those days to come, that is, if you will approach those days with faith, then God can bring about direction and blessing. He can bring about His will in your life. Positive consequences. Look what happens here. We hear about Abraham in the New Testament in a couple places. Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham... When called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. I can't tell you how your financial situation might be resolved. I can't tell you what is your medical future. I can't tell you about the relationship struggles, if they will work or not. But I can tell you, God is in the middle of it. It's going to work out better than it would if he was not. Here we see Abraham giving us this great model. To trust and believe God. Even when we can't see what's coming. The second great lesson we see here is faith is believing in God's word. It's believing in his promises. God, Abraham didn't have the good fortune we do. This is the very beginning, Genesis, of the book of God. That's why God, I think, appeared to him in person. That's why God appeared to him in a vision. That's why God spoke to him directly. But we have the recorded revelation, the promises of God given to us throughout the Bible. Abraham believed in God's word. So it is our challenge to believe in God's word. The big problem in Abraham's life was not saying yes to moving. The big problem in Abraham and Sarah's life was as tried as they might, they could not have children of their own. In the, those times, it was even more important to people. Their whole system of the way they lived was built on inheritance. It was built on having children. Children that could take care of you as you got older. There was no Social Security, no kind of government benefits in those times. Uh, families raised their children, and then the children took care of the aging grandparents. Also, it was the way that you passed down your property. It was the way that your legacy lived on, was to have children and then pass your stuff through them. Well, Abraham and Sarah could not have children. That's a painful place to be, I know. I've talked many about it. Here they are at 75, and uh, Sarah's 65, 10 years younger. They haven't had children. It's a great problem. And then God gives Abraham this promise, and, and they aren't sure how it's going to happen. How's he going to bless all the nations through him if they can't even have a child? So a little later, Genesis chapter 15, we read, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? 
and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And here's a key statement. If you remember anything I've talked about today, remember this. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. Being right before God is believing God. What he tells us is truth. When he gives us his word, we believe it. We believe it, even if it doesn't seem possible. As I say, Abraham lived 175. Here at this time, it was unusual to have children at the age they were. We will see time goes on and it becomes impossible for them to have children. Yet, they continue to believe. When we are in situations like this, it seems unlikely, if not impossible, that God can make something happen. It is when our faith is really put to the test. This is a challenge for us. Will we believe God's word? Will we believe God's promises? Or will we try to work it out on our own? Will we try to, to make things happen on our own? A little later in Genesis chapter 16, you read this. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar, so she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now this is ten years after what we just read. And through those ten years, Sarah, and we can understand it, she's lost her patience waiting on God. And so she comes up with a plan. She says, God, I, maybe you need some help. Now, I know that's never happened to any of us. I know, I know we've never, never lost patience and, and tried to do God's stuff that he talks about in ways that are not godly. But that's what she does. She says, basically, I'm going to give you my servant to be a surrogate. And so that happens. And she conceives and she bears a son and his name is Ishmael. Now if you know anything about genealogy, Abraham became the father of the nation of Israel. Ishmael, or Isaac, and then Isaac uh, through that line became Israel. Ishmael became the progenitor of the line which becomes Islam. And a little later it says that Hagar, Sarah's servant, despised her mistress, her master, and they fought, and she left for a time. Anytime I think we go outside or away from God's word to deal with our problems, I believe it brings this problem upon itself. If instead of helping make things better, it makes things worse, and that's exactly what happens. It leads to jealousy, it leads to hostility, it leads to this tense kind of vicious household. She did not believe God. And perhaps today you think, well, my faith is not what it needs to be. 
I hear what you're saying, and I believe what you're saying is true, that, that I need to have faith, uh, that I need to walk by faith and not by sight, but I haven't. Well, I'm not here to bring condemnation today. I'm not here to say that you can never recover from that. In fact, we need to learn from that. I see Abraham and Sarah learn from their mistakes. And so it is that we can. So it is we can look back and see perhaps when we've tried to manipulate things and not walk by faith. Let us not repeat that mistake. Because as we see how we've tried to manipulate things, we probably can see the negative consequences that came about. So also we see here that we need to rely on God's word. When you didn't get the job you applied for, when your house doesn't sell as quick as you like, when your health is struggling, can we believe that in all things God works together for the good of those who love Him and called according to His purpose? That's a promise from Romans 8, 28. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, and they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not faint. Can you believe that when you're grieving and you're tired and you're weary? Acts 2.35 says it is more blessed to give than receive. But sometimes it seems as we don't have enough to give. We struggle with being generous. Do we trust God's word then? Psalm 46.1 says God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. It is a promise. I read at a good many funerals that I need. Do we believe that? when we're consumed by fear and uncertainty and discouragement. Friends, I tell you this, you can rely on the promises that God gives you. It takes faith to believe in those promises. When the pressure gets turned up, when the heat is on, it takes faith. May God grow our faith. For with faith, Jesus tells the disciples, the mountains can be moved. With faith, the impossible can happen. Leads to the third lesson that Abraham and Sarah give us. Faith is trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. It's trusting God even when it doesn't make sense. Now, I read, read to you and told you about uh, the surrogate plan. Hagar having Abraham's child, Ishmael. <laughs> Fourteen years later... Abraham's 100, and Sarah's 90, and she conceives and has a son. Can you imagine being 90 and having a baby? Woo! God can do the impossible. His name is Isaac. And don't you know that their faith just grew and grew? We know that because we see what Abraham perhaps is best known for. Abraham... In Genesis 22, we see a great test for Abraham. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, he's referring to Isaac, that you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. Now, I've told you before, when you see the narratives about Scripture, they, I don't think we get all the conversation, the transcript. Can you imagine being in this situation and God comes to you and says, I, I want you to take this miracle baby who is now, I think, 
probably 12, 15, something like that. I want you to take him and I want you to go to this mountain and I want you to sacrifice him, which means kill him. What? I, I think I got a bad connection. And we don't have all the discussion, but remember, God has already made the impossible come to possibility in Abraham. And so he believes God even when it doesn't make sense. So many times in our life, things happen to us that don't make sense. We have a choice then. Are we going to trust God and believe? Are we not? Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set up for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the land for the burnt offering? It's always choking up to read that. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the land for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac. So this is a story not just of Abraham's story, but also Isaac's. Can you imagine? Letting your dad bind you up. I really think I'd have been running myself. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from you your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a bird offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. See, God we can trust. God will provide even when it does not make sense. Abraham was willing to take his family and move blindly to a place God called him to. Abraham was willing to sacrifice and to give up everything. And that's really what faith means. God, I don't know it all. I can't do it myself. I need you to lead me, you to direct me, you to guide me. I don't need to do things your way. And God provides. You know, in 2 Chronicles 3, 1, it says that when Solomon built the temple of the Lord, he built it on Mount Moriah, the same place that God called Abraham to sacrifice his son. And do you know that in Hebrews it tells us this, 
By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And listen to this. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Jesus, the Son of God, was sacrificed so that you and I could live. Do you believe this? Do you trust this? That's the question the story has for us today. Can we have faith like Abraham? Fathers, we think about these things. I pray today that you would help us. Help us to hear these words and understand that we can, even if we feel like we have little faith, we can grow in it. We can trust you more. I pray that that will be the result of us studying your words today, that we'll believe your promises, that we'll trust you more. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's finish the time if you have a decision to make for the Lord. You want to become a Christian? We want to help you with that. Maybe it is to join us formally here at Northside. We can help you with that as well. But I, I think the challenge for all of us is today...